Like water through a drain, I'm spinning down, down, down. Like the needle in my vein, you're bringing me down, down, down. Like a dog who's gone insane, you're putting me down, down, down. And those of you who doubted me are going down, down, down. And the record man who never called, can you hear what's going on? I'm coming. Critical drinking. Snap. I'm Kevin Regan. I'm Ryan Maley. And this is the podcast where we drink beer, we watch movies, and we talk about them. Yep. Uh, this week, Critical Drinking 51, we are watching Children of Men and doing top five long takes. Long takes being those extended scenes where the camera doesn't cut, um, it moves on its axis, moves around, but there's never a cut. In that scene, and it's usually around the couple minutes mark is what kind of, uh, I guess, signifies or, or justifies it as a long take. So, mm-hmm. this is one of the more filmy type uh, lists that we've done, just because this is more technique than it is, you know, like a favorite list of actors' movies or something. We should do favorite George Lucas swipes. Yeah, Let's in go. any movie, mm-hmm. because that's very, uh, very prominent now, uh, whether you like it or not. Um, but uh, first, we want to get to a little feedback. Um, we had some feedback last week on Facebook. Uh, first, when we posted Face Place, yeah, uh, when we place it or posted what we were going to um, do this week. Uh, we said next episode, Children of Men slash Top Five Long Takes. This movie has some incredible ones, but what long ta- which long takes would be on your top five list? Um, Maddie C said Serenity's opening shot that simultaneously introduces the viewer to all characters, their personalities, including the quote other main character, the ship, and sets up the heist scene at the film at the onset of the film. That would be my number two behind Quran's Street Fight slash Bullet Dodge number one. My number three is a Tarantino shot, either Kill Bill's long swooping shot in the dance club for the carnage, or Pulp Fiction's super long take with Travolta and Jackson chit-chatting prior to the apartment visit. Number four and number five, TBA. They were A. <laughs> gonna do... Gonna go with digital shots for epic movies for my number four and five. I get still get chills when the beacons of Gondor lit during Return of the King, hybrid, digital, and practical. And my fanboy pick goes to the epic sweeping ILM shot of the Starfighter duck and weave follow and fly by during the Battle of Coruscant from Revenge of the Sith. That was pretty cool. Good sound editing for both shots. Both have scenes scored. Both have scenes scored with original top-notch pieces from the saga. Then Andy, as he is uh, want to do, said, "Which dork is going to talk about Russian Ark?" <laughs> And I said, uh, I'll talk about it, because Russian Ark, for those who don't know, is a movie that I is... I don't know. Russian Ark is a movie that came out in, like, 2001, or 2003, or something like that, and it's um, a movie that is all one single take. Uh, it's 99 minutes long. It's a home video? Yeah. It's 99 minutes long, and there are no cuts. 
and it's basically going through this castle um, during this party. I watched it in college. Um, some of it is really impressive. It's more of a it's more of a film achievement than anything else, um, and a lot of it is really boring to watch, and it's tough to sit through because while long takes are beautiful when used correctly, when there are no cuts, it really like you're like I really need a, a cut here just to break yeah, up. Yeah, like if a guy's just sitting there taking a dump, you don't want right. to watch the whole dump. Right, but it was definitely a, a feat. <clears throat> it's it's the longest single shot in movie history. A feat. A feat. Oh, of feet. I thought you said of a of feet. T. Well, it's of feet too. There, I mean, there are a lot of feet in it because they dance. That's a feet, and they show that. <laughs> That's of feet also. Um, but yeah, that was that feedback. Then um, I posted a video um, about basically the children of men long takes. It's like kind of a behind the scenes thing of how they did it, um, just to give you guys an idea of what we're talking about with long take. Um, then Andy says. Uh, the episode I want to do is favorite one-liners slash quotes, and I'll be there to guest. Okay, great. All right. So that's happening. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. That's happening. Best uh, one-liners. Yeah. Easy. Already know my number one. What's that? Hail to the king, baby. <laughs> that's right. Give me some sugar, baby. Give me some sugar, baby. Toolshed. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then we put up our poll, which we're going to start doing it on the Facebook page now because the new questions feature is way easier. Um and it's, you know, all in the same spot for our audience on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash critical drinking. Um, slash critical drinking, a little slash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is a video podcast. We do that. Um, Imagine it. So the question is, if forced to choose, what it's would you say? <laughs> what would you say draws you to a movie the most? Ooh, I want to vote. The five uh, answers or possible choices are... The actor or actors involved, the director or directors involved, a good-looking trailer, critical acclaim, or recommendations from friends. You missed one. Chances of nudity should be number... <laughs> Why'd you go see Piranhas, huh? Not for chances... For the 3D. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. 3D movies. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so... In last place, it's a tie between critical acclaim and directors involved. Maddie C said directors involved. I said critical acclaim. Because when I was thinking about it, as hyped for a movie as I could possibly be, you know, with, oh, this actor is, you know, or this director and blah, blah, blah. If it gets panned by critics, odds are I'm not going to see it. On the other hand, if there's a, sh a movie that I think that looks shitty, like The Source Code, I was like, I don't think, you know, even though... Because if I, if I was Maddie C, I would say, oh, that's awesome because David Bowie's son is directing it. He directed Moon. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely going to so go see Source Code. But then the trailer didn't look so good. So I didn't you know, want to see it. You didn't it. But like then, the trailer? Well, the trailer was all right, but it didn't make it look like a movie I really wanted to go see. And then the critics all really liked it. It gets like a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, so now I want to see it. And so that, after thinking about it, is like kind of what I hinge my uh i think i i think you didn't vote so what would you i think it's a combination of a lot of things but right now notice the four first words if forced to choose uh i might go with directors involved yeah i think you know i guess critical acclaim is i feel like it just helps with the decision a lot of times. But that's not true. I guess the, like, Oscar contenders and stuff like that, like, 
I don't know if I ever really wanted it, or I still haven't seen the King's Speech, but <laughs> I don't know if I would be really drawn to see it <clears throat> if it didn't get such good critical acclaim. But, I mean, by the time that critics see it, I mean, we're given so much information already, you right. know, like actors, directors. Right. Uh, a good-looking trailer does really help sometimes. Yeah. But um, I think I'd go with director. Okay. So that means that in last place, officially, critical acclaim, <laughs> which is the one I voted for, me, myself, and I. Who voted for that. recommendations from friends? Um, so second place, or uh, fourth place, is directors involved with you and Maddie C. Uh, third place is recommendations from friends. Uh, Lenny picked that, and then another, um, Kelly Hayden, who we are not friends with, but Maddie C is. Um, we can all be friends. That's true. And then the uh, second place is a good-looking trailer that had uh, three votes. Um, three of those people, none of those that I know. And then in first place, with four votes, actors involved, Noah voting for that one, and three That's others that I'm not too. sure. <clears throat> so there you go. So actors involved uh, was the choice. But uh, so look for that. Uh, we'll change our poll. We'll update it more often because it's super easy on Facebook. Um, and we'll probably do it every episode now. Um, so look for that on our Facebook page. Should um, Swayze have won a Grammy? Mm. Yes or no? Mm, that, or Gra- that. Grammy isn't a good enough award for Swayze. Should he have, should he have won the T-God? Mm-hmm. The Tony, the Grammy, Oscar. Uh, wait, what one am I missing? What's the D? Uh, you know. I think it's the T-God. Is it like what... Uh, uh, they talk about it on Thirty Rock all the time. With uh, Tracy Jordan. Um, I don't know what the D is. I don't even know if it's a D. Daytime Emmy. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe I have it wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's. I don't know. Whatever. You can look it up. Us um, sitting here and thinking isn't yeah, good radio. That's true. that's true. So thank you all for the feedback. Criticaldrinking.com slash or wait facebook.com slash criticaldrinking. Make sure you use the slash head uh, key on your computer. Damn slash. Um. And then, uh, what else we got? I think that was all for the feedback. Um, and then we obviously went over our poll there, too. So, let's go into our drink predictions for Children of Men. Mm, it's two hours and ten minutes, I believe. It's an hour fifty, you believe. I knew it was ten minutes over <laughs> or under two hours. Yeah. So, it's an hour fifty. Um, I gotta work. It's a weeknight. Yeah, it's I gotta work tomorrow, because now I have a full-time job, and mm. I don't... Like I mean, I love it, but I don't like that. I can't. All right, so this is one. I'll have. You have one in your hand now. I know. I'll have three more, four. So four total? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I'm also going to have four total, um, and then I'm going to drop the challenge on you. All right. I'm ex- what and is this is a challenge, and it's a weeknight challenge, so it's not going to be any crazy drinking, but your challenge is... To drink only the amount of beers that you predict. Because mm. every single episode you predict a number and then you exceed it by at least a beer, if not two. Your challenge this week is to not exceed <laughs> four beers during the movie. Alright. You're being a good friend. <laughs> but this means I can't do three. That's no. Cool. Four beers. Alright. Yep. Oh man, what if I just get hyped up by Michael Caine farting? <laughs> It usually gets me. <laughs> it's true, it does. All right, so four beers each. Uh, we're going to go watch Children of Men, and we'll be back to uh, talk about it. Bye. My beans and my beans.
Critical drinking. Snap, crack, and pop. We just watched Children of Men. Um, the Alfonso Cuarón movie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He made, uh, well, obviously, the best Harry Potter prisoner of Azkaban. And I'm not oh, going to get into Harry Potter argument with you right now because you haven't even seen any of them. Mm-hmm. You saw the crappy two ones. I've seen four. Shut up. And then. <laughs> Are there, the haven't there only been six? There's seven now. No, there's going to... There's seven books, right? Oh, and then there's going to be an eighth movie because they're... Do- yeah, okay. So I've seen over half then. So? <laughs> I actually own three of them, I think. Yeah, I own the first three, and then I gave up. But anyways. Um, and he also directed A Little Princess, which is a great movie. <laughs> that that may be true. I have no... I have no uh, no wisdom on that. That's really uh, good. <laughs> Wasn't that... Why were we talking about that a while ago? That just jogged my memory. Someone mentioned Little Princess and someone said, Oh my gosh, I used to watch it all the time as a kid. Someone used to say that. Me? No. Well, but someone when you... Okay. Anyways, we watched Children of Men. Uh, we both said we were going to drink four beers. Ryan, how'd you do? I met the challenge. I drank well, all the beers go. I said I drank. And you were thirsty afterwards, weren't you? I was. You were thirsty and you had to, you had to hold up. <laughs> and then you drank one in my face. Yeah, I did. I, did. I, I asked, can have one, but you can't. I, I cracked a fifth um, of liquor. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I cracked a fifth uh, a fifth beer um, while we were still you know, in the movie segment. And Ryan couldn't have one, so it was in his face. Um, I made a Fuji face. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> That's bad. Um, In honor of Sid, I'm going to do the next little bit in third person. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, Ryan, why don't you give uh, Ryan's review of the movie? Ryan thought that uh, Zen music was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sounded like people dying. And watching Michael Caine try to play guitar, but it looked like he was just trying to whack it, (laughs) made Ryan very happy. (laughs) Um, one thing Ryan doesn't like a lot in this movie <laughs> is Julianne Moore. I don't know why. For some reason to me, damn it. For some reason to Ryan, <laughs> all the scenes she's in sounds like she's shouting. Yeah. Like the dubbing is off. And it just sounds really bad. It, she's really awkward. I don't know. I just... For some reason, I don't like her very much in this movie. For some reason, Ryan doesn't like her. For some reason, Ryan doesn't like her very much in this movie. (laughs) Ryan thinks she was cheesy. Well, good news for Ryan. Spoiler, she gets killed pretty quick. Ryan was happy. (laughs) One part that Ryan really didn't like was like... She's like, oh, do you still like it in the afternoons? I can't... See, I see him when I see you in the... 
It's like she kind of mailed it in. I don't... Ryan doesn't know. It's just... <laughs> it is weird. Um, my next point... God damn it. Ryan's next point is that Chuck Bass is in this. If you're a fan of Gossip Girl, you'll be happy. Because I... Ryan knows we got a lot of fans out there. I'm catching it. Catch yeah, it. Yeah. Ryan's catching it. Um, <laughs> by far, Ryan's favorite part uh, was the cute kitten that was jumping up on uh, Clive Owen's leg. Yeah. Which brings Ryan to Ryan's next point. <laughs> there are tons and tons of excellent animal actors in this movie. Yeah. Literally every scene had animals in it. There's dogs. Cats, uh, sheep, a herd of sheep. Yeah. That deer was kind of sus- suspenseful. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but Ryan noticed that right when they exited on the boat at the end, there was a seagull there. Really? Yeah. There's animals everywhere. I think it's because animals aren't stricken by the infertility epidemic like people are. So that just illustrated how overrun the population was of animals. Yeah. Not overrun, but I guess more populated. And In the contrast to people. animals, probably. Probably. He's, uh, he's a man after Ryan's heart. Uh, Clive Owen rules with car doors. He took out <laughs> two people with just the car door. It's that was a, sweet. It's a great weapon for it. Yeah. I got the shot. It's a... Oh! <laughs> I got the shot. Can I take it? No. <laughs> oh. And then he smacks his face into a hay bale. Sucker. It's like, oh. Insult to injury. Michael Caine was excellent in this movie, or funny. I mean, and he had the best death of all time. <laughs> Pull my finger. And he gets shot in the finger. And then he throws a cigarette out and goes, "Fuck you." Does <laughs> a shot again. And he just lays there. He's like, "Nah." Pull my finger. It's it great. He went back to it. Fine, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite was a cigarette throw. Fuck you. Ryan's that. favorite. Ryan's favorite. Fuck you. Um, it looked like I'm not sure it could have been his finger that he threw back at him. I think that it could have been that. That makes a lot more sense. It would have been funnier, but it's from a distance, so you can't really tell. From a distance. <laughs> um, I think Ryan's uh, favorite scene. Ryan thinks Ryan's favorite scene. Ryan thinks. Uh, I guess not. Bull. Uh, Ryan has a stomp bubble. Um, Ryan's favorite scene is when the baby goes down the stairs and everyone's yep. quiet and just stares. Yep. It just stares on the stairs. Yep. And um, I'm nearly not drunk enough, so these shit. So, fuck. Yeah. That was your ode to uh, Sid. In the uh-huh. So now you're back to uh, normal speak. Normal speak. Oh. Uh, yeah, I like that scene. I kind of explained it. Yeah. Last but not least <laughs> is that I I wish it would have ended before the boat showed up because I like yep. dark, stupid, not I was going to mention that. But I like that, and it's the same. It goes back to um, 28 Days Later. Um, yep. They showed those uh, alternate endings, and there's one where uh, his name's Jim, right? Jim dies, and then... The two women are like, well, shit, and they just go out, and yep. they're like, well, there's nothing. I don't know. It leaves more despair, which, I mean, I I know is sad, but mm-hmm. it also seems more realistic. Eh. Well, if and if you think about it, because I was going to ask you that, if you thought that was a Hollywood intervention 
on the movie script that it's like, oh, this was good. However, we have one small change. We need there to be hope, like, you know, a hopeful ending. Because that's the way they did it. Did you ever see The Road? No. Because that's the way they did it in The Road. It's like there was like a little attached three-minute uh. clip at the end that was like gave you hope. But I think at the end of this, and it would have been super easy for them even after shooting to go back yeah. and just put her in a boat and say, we're safe now. That was the only clip yeah. that actually, the rest could have been dubbed over because it wasn't anyone actually talking in the yeah. shot. It was them talking off camera. But I mean, I, I wasn't like really upset with it or anything. I just, I, I would have liked it better if yeah. it just ended with her sitting yeah. there. And well, me too. Clive Owen. Uh, then there's more to think about walking, walking out of the theater. Yeah, like, why am I stepping on popcorn? <laughs> More than that. Off. More than that. More thought than that. That is my review. There you go. Uh, I was just... Uh, I have a couple notes. The one note that I had we just talked about, um, which was the ending. Other note I have is the opposite of the ending. It's the intro. Um, ever since I first saw this in the theater, I was struck by how well done the intro was, in my opinion. It's it is a only, great scene. It's only like a minute and a half. It's surprisingly short, but you get... And, and the first part is that it starts from black. And you just hear the TV station, like, you know, the news anchors talking about this. The youngest man still alive was murdered. And it's black, so you're forced to, you're forced to focus on the audio. Which gives you that initial knowledge and sets the scene for what's going on. Then you're taking just... Instantly into this coffee shop that's just overrun by, you know, people just glued to the TV. And you can see there's another TV on the other side of the room that's in camera that you can see. And so you can see what they're watching. And everyone's just, you know, enthralled by the fact that, you know, it's, it's almost like it's, it's Packy from the zoo. Like, Packy! You know, because Packy was the one of the first animals in like 18 years, or first elephants in 18 in years first, to be yeah, born in captivity. Yeah. Or something like that. And so it's the same thing. It's like the same sort of captivation where it's like this kid was everyone's, you know, like everyone felt like it was part of this kid's life. And then it's ending. So that's even more despair. You notice how there wasn't much inflation because he literally just pulled out like 75 cents and bought a cup of coffee with it. I no, I wasn't. That wasn't like a commentary on anything. (laughs) Well, hey, they might. uh, I just thought it was convenient that no one can use change to buy anything nowadays. Those might have been. Those might have been silver dollars. Yeah, they could have been ten dollar pennies. Yeah, the uh, the lowest denomination is now a dollar. So it was actually seventy five (laughs) bucks. But (laughs) but uh, so they go in, and then you know Clive Owen just splits the crowd and not even caring. Gets a cup of coffee, walks out. And then it's it's basically a one shot once he walks out of the coffee shop and the camera kind of goes from behind him to in front of him. He pours his, you know, cream in the coffee or whatever and then the coffee shop explodes. He, you know, crawls up against the side. But everything going on around that shot just sets the scene so perfectly. The news footage gives you this, what's at stake in the movie. And then, like, the whole, just everything about that shot gives you the atmosphere. Of what you're about to expect, I thought in a you know in about ninety seconds it was an amazing intro. Um, the second and final note that I had was that uh, same scene that you're talking about with the baby um, and them descending the stairs with the you know crying and everyone's quiet and everything stops and everything you just realize you know the the weight 
that you know this carries throughout the entire world. Five pounds, eight ounces, approximately. It was a bit premature. Um, yeah, but <laughs> actually, it must have been. It was ready to come out. That thing, steaming <laughs> vagina. Yeah, Ryan would like to make a technical note that he he commented on the steam. Uh, during the birth. <laughs> well, that's a, ever, ever since I saw it the first time. You know, they're all, it's all cold, and they're all like breathing steam the whole time. And then the baby comes out, and there's just a load of steam coming <laughs> out of the area. And I understand that's realistic. I know. I thought it was fine. And then they just left the baby there. It's got to be cold. If you guys are freaking cold, then put something on the baby. Hmm. You're all about uh, child ba- welfare, right? Uh huh. So unless they steal my bowling balls, <laughs> stupid those are, kids. Those aren't babies. Yeah, seriously. Uh, once they're when they're babies, they're cute. When they're kids, they're just monsters, mm-hmm. and they steal bowling. Unless balls. they're little monsters with Fred Savage and uh, that's right, uh, Howie Mandel. Howie Mandel. That's right. Um, but yeah, I thought that was that's my favorite scene in the movie. Um, what I thought, given as how we were watching this movie because of all the long takes that it had, uh-huh. and there was a great long take before that where basically they are fleeing from the fish. I guess through you know the little refugee town. Oh, that's uh yeah, that's the the big scene. Well, yeah, that was the like one of the big one and shots. It, and, in the it, movie. and it kind of announces itself because it cuts, and then they're like, he goes like, yeah, yeah, just like that, and then they're like walking out, and then you're like, all right, it's on, bitch, let's do this, <laughs> and then you know they do that, and they do this, and a little here and a little there, good commentary. That's, and that's true. what happens. <laughs> I I followed you the whole way uh-huh. that, through that uh, commentary, but like that whole scene was great, and one of the things that I watched, and I think it was in the, uh, actually, I think I read it. But there's that little clip on that I posted to Facebook that tells a lot about this whole movie and their long takes. But I think this one, the like about halfway to three quarter or two thirds of the way through, blood splatters on the camera. Mm-hmm. And initially, Alfonso Cuarón wanted to redo the entire scene because he didn't want the blood on the camera because it was yeah. And it was pretty late. That must have been like eighty percent or right? even closer. Yeah. To uh, but the 90. the. Uh, cinematographer convinced him that actually it would be better and they digitally cut and a lot of what this movie does with its long takes is it kind of it digitally meshes a couple takes Mm -hmm. and so that's what this one did and so the blood eventually faded um one of my uh good top five for biggest oscar snubs yeah that's right what was his name Daniel lubinsky yeah something like that because he also did the cinematography for New World and I said that he should have won in either or both of those years. Memoirs of a Geisha and Chicago? No. Maybe. Something like that beat it and it pissed me off. Pissed. Um, I'm pissed. But yeah, that that was a great long take but it led right into the you know, the, the scene that we're, we both think are our favorites and I think that scene would have made a much more powerful long take. Mm-hmm. If they would have just followed them down the stairs, kind of rotating the camera every once in a while to face them and watch their reactions and then face the crowd and see their reactions. Because the reaction is that entire scene. is just everyone's reaction shot. Mm-hmm. So, whoa. We have a malfunctioning uh, Coors Light can. What the hell are you doing? You're, you're scraping the Rockies on everything else. I think so. I have a... I've tapped the Rockies and also half the rest of the can with blue. It's turned blue. I don't know. That must be. That's a, a blue clue, right? Thing. That's a blue's clue. It's a clue. That's a. 
That guy the murdered himself. Or so, there's like murdered 500 rumors himself. out there. He was a heroin addict that dealt it and smelt it and died or something. I don't know. He could have smelt it and died. Mm-hmm. Seriously, who farted? See? <laughs> he just <laughs> He just ended it. Don't plug your nose. Plug your nose. That's... He, he smelled it and he ended it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that was a very. It's a very <laughs> good transition. Yeah, it's a great that uh, the baby scene at the end is a great scene. It's you know very moving, and then it gets one explosion and everything's back to mm-hmm. you know where it was because you you don't realize how quiet it gets until that explosion comes and then all the gunfire starts back up again. You're like, whoa! It it was quiet at that point. Um, but yeah. So that's my uh, that's my review. I thought it was good as well. What'd you give it? Uh, I really like this movie. I give it an eight point eight. Whoa! <laughs> uh, I'll round up to nine. <laughs> 8. I guess one 8. thing that I find about this movie is that so I think the ver- the intro scene that we talked about yeah. is excellent, and then I think like the last. Or the last sixty percent, or I'd say, is also just I find it very high quality, moving, awesome. Mm-hmm. But I think there's this little gap in between the beginning, the very beginning, you know, the the coffee scene, yeah, and then before like they escape from the house. Well, That's no, before that, because you know they have that motorcycle scene. So oh, right, right, yeah. So like once they get on their journey. That I think is is kind of lost after you've seen it once because I think what it does is that um, they kind of spend so much time showing you kind of the what the world is right, right now. Right. You know, there's so much visual like stuff showing like what's changed and how awful it is and all this stuff. And I mean, it's really good, but after you've seen it the first time, you know, it's not as you're not sitting there looking around and trying to take right. in everything because you already know it. So there's kind of this lost little bit to me. Like that what? That scene where what's his name was in? Uh, Chuck Bass. Yeah, that scene was totally unnecessary. I know, but I mean, but but the first time you see it, you're like, oh wow, you know, they're in this new compound where everything's nice now, and you see this. But then it uh, takes one little line of Clive Owens to say, <coughs> you know, I, I think you're hilarious or whatever because in a hundred years, nobody's going to be around to see this. Yeah. So it's like, what's the point? Which is a good point, but like it didn't. I don't know. I well, that's that what I'm saying is that there's yeah. a little bit that yeah. I think after once after because I think it's, I think it's valuable the first time you see it because it is kind of cool just seeing like all these different you know rarities that you know everywhere else died, Britain survived, you know, and it kind of right. does that. But you know, after you've seen it, you already know that, so. It's kind of like there's like an intro that it's like skip if you've already seen this. Right. Yeah, that's you know, true. Like, but um, well, I mean, you you assume that Britain is the only one left, but we only see the British side. Could mm-hmm. be total propaganda, man. Could be great everywhere else. We mm-hmm. don't know. We don't know. We just later again. Which yeah, it's an island. Yeah, man. we just it's see the island. we just see the bus advertisement saying all these other yeah. cities are have gone to shit. And I. I, I the first time I saw it, I, I heard Fuji's. Yeah. And, you know... You thought the, Lauren Hill immediately in White Sox. Well, no. Immediately. But it didn't help because, you know, the... the uh, uh, Band. Fuji's. No, the girl's name. What's her name? Uh, 
I can't remember her name either. Key? Yeah, Kia. Yeah. Yeah, Key. Yeah, Key. Uh, and she taught, you know, she had like a... Yeah. Accent. And I thought they meant like Fiji and, oh. or something. And I was like, yeah. wow, there's a lot of people that live from the islands there. I didn't know Fuji meant fugitive, you know, like... Refugee? Uh, yeah, refugee. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I was confused. I was like, wow, why are so many people from like Pacific area or, you know, coming up? I, I just... It just didn't make sense to me. It was such a long ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Well, hey, that's, that's, That be, was man. a Carl Pilkington moment right there. I was just like... Why would you do that if you could go over here? It's closer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. So 8.8 for you slash 9. Yeah. And that's with like 20% of it <laughs> okay. getting... That's true. Could get skipped through. I give it a uh, a 7.5. A 7.5. That's a good number. Because I gave it less the first time I saw it. But ev- the more that I see it and the more I, you know, look... You know, and see behind, like, the, the video, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff, the more I appreciate it and the more I can enjoy it. So, therefore, it's gone up on the scale. It is now a 7.5. So, I give it a 7.5. Big moment coming up, folks. That's right. We got our first uh, our first power-up here. Are you ready? It has a lot to do with the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, give us a little insight onto why that's the power up. Well, I watched WrestleMania this yeah. uh, this weekend. Right. I'm not that big of a wrestling fan. My friend Jeff is, and I and I usually go over there on Monday nights, and Raw's always on. You know, like Monday, Monday night, night Raw, yeah. and so I always end up watching it. So now I'm caught up. I'm not caught up in it, but You're I know on the uh, I know enough about it. Yeah, right. And so WrestleMania came on, and he was buying. It. I was like, well. I'm gonna watch this shit. Cause it's like, it, it is. It, it, it's the it's the Super Bowl of the yeah, of wrestling. Of wrestling, yeah. And it was awesome. And well, like the, the Miz, who is from uh, Real World, and also uh, the Challenge and stuff. Yeah. And it's funny because now he's the champion, and no one likes him, and he loves that. But he just keeps on beating the champion over and over again, and then he did it again, and everyone hates him, and I laugh. <laughs> yeah. And that's his saying. Yeah. I'm the Miz, and I'm awesome. <laughs> what? Is that's wrestling for you. Great power-up <laughs> yeah. brought to you by Kevin. That was. Um, all right, so let's get and into I'm it. awesome. <laughs> that's what Ryan should have done. Uh, next, Every time from now on, when you intro at the very beginning uh, of the show, you should do that. You I'm, should go, I'm, I'm Kevin Reagan, and I'm Ryan... And, and I'm, I'm awesome. awesome. <laughs> that should be your sign on. <laughs> oh, that'd be sweet. All right, but uh, let's go into what we watched. You first. What did you watch this week or the last two weeks? Anything? I'm still getting used to having a full time <laughs> job, and I'm tired a lot. And I haven't watched. I watched a lot of TV shows. Yeah. Like, but not like anything worth good mentioning. TV. No. <laughs> okay. Food network shows and stuff like that. Yeah, like just yeah, just like stuff that you don't really have to pay attention to. You just kind of wait for the end result. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah, sorry about good that. Segment. People. Uh, uh I watched Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Um that's the one movie that I watched that didn't involve this category cuz I always catch up on Netflix uh you know, on what are I caught up so on scenes. Takes. Did you? Yeah. I, well, that's I, I one nice watch, thing I, actually about this. 
is because I wanted to catch up on movies that had great ones that I also hadn't seen. Yeah. And there was an easy way to rule it out, and that was by watching the scene. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, that wouldn't be on my list. I'm not going to waste my time yeah. watching that. Um, but yeah, uh, Before the Devil Knows Your Dad was directed by Sidney Lumet's 07, I believe. Um, he also, he's the guy who did Network and um, 12 Angry Men or whatever it was, which I haven't seen. Um, but it you was, haven't seen 12 Angry Men? Uh-uh. I need to, but it's on Netflix. You know, you got to get the disc, so it's in the queue. But there's right, 12 Angry Men is the, the one with uh, Peter Fonda? I don't know. It was like 55. Yeah, the jury one, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, great movie. Yeah, Love that movie. It. I haven't seen it. He also did The Verdict, which was a, uh, a uh, what's his name movie? A Paul Newman movie that is on Instant that I just haven't caught up with. The best part about 12 Angry Men is, well, this is just the basis of the story. You know, like, the basis of the story, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, this guy, he's guilty. But one guy thinks that there's what? maybe a little more. Fucking guy. And he's able to turn 11 other... F- People to believe it. This fucking guy. And they really don't use a lot of evidence, just a lot of conclusions. Yeah. It's a good story, even though they realize that they could just have, you know, two people not. Yeah. Or even one, technically, but. Right. There'd be a lot of peer pressure. I succumb to peer pressure. <laughs> um, but yeah, the devil, before the devil knows you're dead, is, a, is and here's how I kind of summed it up, was it was very well acted. By uh, uh, Ethan Hawke and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, there's one other person in it that I forget who it was that was really good. Um, I love PSH. Yeah, I don't know. But they were, I mean, they were both good. They were obviously the leads. And then, oh, uh, what's his name? He was the guy, he was in Network, he was in Big Fish. He was the old guy. Oh, Albert Finney. Albert Finney, yeah. Albert Finney was really good in it, too. Um, I love Big Finney. But, uh, you know, it was really well acted. It was even it was even better in its direction um, because it was, it was really sharp directing. Like you could, And a lot of critics, when I went back and looked, a lot of critics said this was like his return to form kind of in directing. But the story and, like, the premise... And the whole plot was just a little too, uh, a little too crazy and nonsensical for me. Like it, it, it was kind of ridiculous. Like it just, I mean, if you could buy into it, it's enjoyable. But you there, take that leap of faith. Yeah, but there's yeah. a lot you really that keeps you from buying into it because it's a lot of it's kind of radical in just the i you know, I mean it's it's a it's basically a a heist movie in a sense, but it's a really interesting take on that. But also they kind of go kind of crazy with that take. So, but it's good. I mean, it's Netflix watch instantly. I recommend it. If anyone is interested in, you know, hour and 40 minutes of just kind of entertainment right after I watched Grown Ups. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, that John Travolta from Paris with love. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, Henry the eighth, mm-hmm. skinny Henry the eighth. It's yeah. an abomination. No oh, man. He was chubby, and he, they should live with it. They should. All right. Uh, so that's what we watched, or what I watched. Uh, <laughs> what we're, Kevin uh, watched. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with our top five long takes. Long takes. Yeah, you have got to be 18, or a few years past your teens, or you are. 
back to critical drinking. Hello. So, <clears throat> whoa. Easy. So, I'm gonna go ahead and wash that down. <sighs> Much better. Oh, the mountains are spreading. Let's uh, start that one over. So, we are, uh, <laughs> yeah, we are now at the point. It's our top five time. Top five long takes is what we're doing this week. Um, Children of Men had some great ones. They might show up on our list. Um, See, I didn't know if to count as one what? or two. Oh. I, I based it on movie. All right. Okay, so, like, good. there can be some ties if they're in the same movie, Okay, I feel like. Um, but long takes are often... Very subtle if you're not looking for them. Like, you won't realize... Well, good long takes. You won't realize it's all one take until kind of after the fact when you go, wait a minute, there hasn't been any cuts in a while. Um, but I think when used in the right spots and done effectively, they are some of the most powerful scenes in movies, uh, which is kind of why I said I would have liked to see that final Children of Men you know, baby coming down the stairs scene as a long take. Cause I think it would have just put you in the moment and been way powerful. Um, <clears throat> but I think a long take one difference that a long take has other than the amount of time that it takes up, obviously it's, it doesn't cut for a while, but it's different than a tracking shot where the camera is moving the whole time. So it's almost as if either someone is walking with the camera or has the camera on a track yeah. that it, it's not only moving, you know, down like a track. Yeah. So it's not, it's not moving side to side. And one of the movies that I'll reference is old boy mm-hmm. where there's a really famous scene in old boy <clears throat> where it's basically a, a, a tight hallway fight scene where he just goes and I'll talk about it a little later. Cause it's my honorable mention actually, but the camera <clears throat> only slides, you know, on one axis yeah. it doesn't it doesn't move around and so i think for a long take to be considered a long take and not a tracking shot it has to be it has to move on multiple axes on both its axes yeah at least so um i also think that i mean you're talking about movement obviously right. just as you said before length of the shot isn't the only thing because right. like i make i make no uh, you know, try not to. Never mind. Anyways, what I'm saying is <laughs> that uh, I always say that Elm Burstein in uh, Dragon for a Dream, my favorite performance of all time, and there's a scene that she has like this monologue, and technically it's a long take because it just sits on her for right. three minutes, but that's not really what we're considering. Right, right, right. It needs to be. It needs to be. To me, it's something that would be usually done with edits. Yeah, and something, a and, and a lot of times you can get, and there were a lot in this movie actually uh-huh. that were almost a long take, but they well, had the that op- cut in the middle. Yeah. The opening scene is yeah. an example, yeah, because they cut to the TV, yeah, which takes it away because that, regardless of, you know how it looks, that means that they stopped filming that first one cut, you know, and then had to you know start refilming. And so some of those <clears throat> scenes that are like. You know, they're long, you know, maybe it's a long, you know, chase scene, but there are multiple cuts. That's not a long take. That's a long scene, a long take. And that's where the time comes in is where it has to be a singular shot for, 
uh, an extended amount of time. But I also, yeah, I think that goes with the tracking shot is that it, and for me, I mean, sure, that's a long take, but it's not going to make my list because it's not impressive. It doesn't do anything, you know, for the movie. There can't be any cuts in that anyways. So, like you said, it's generally something that would normally be done with cuts, but isn't. Uh-huh. So, um, and then, like I said in the beginning uh, about the movie Russian Ark, which is just 99 minutes of a single shot. 99 minutes of beer on the wall, yeah. 99 <laughs> minutes of beer. I think that is its own category. Um, so that is not going to be on my list. And neither are movies that are comprised of only long takes. Because I think those are in a genre of their own. Like security camera footage? That's a one take. True. Like in uh No, well, just in anything. No. I wouldn't not necessarily because the whole I mean, as in like seven eleven. That's one take. Oh, that, that whole security footage is true. one take. Yeah, I'm not gonna uh Is that an achievement? Is that, that a feat? Over. No. But it's also not very cinematic. True. So but anyways black and movies white like also. that, I mean, because... in movies like I've talked I talked about this on the movies that make you squirm list, uh the movie Irreversible. It's made up of thirteen long takes yeah that's not gonna be on my list because although there are some really good long takes that's all the movie is and so obviously it was intending to do that and it's not as you know out of the blue like wow that was really well used because even though some of those scenes definitely didn't need it they were it was used for that so anyways that's just kind of how i made my list um so without further ado um who's going first I'll go first because I also have some explanation about my specific list. All right. You go ahead. This is my Brian De Palma slash Goodfellas memorial list. That means I'm not including either of those on it. All right. Uh, Brian De Palma may as well be Hollywood's king of the long take because in every single one of his movies he has a famous long take. Um, they're, They're all really good, but it might they might as well take up three spots on my uh on my list because i like a lot of those takes um so they won't be showing up and then also where goodfellas um is on the list is because i think goodfellas is it's an amazing long take that scene the copa scene where he's going through the kitchen to the club and everything it's it's trend setting and it's been copied so many times that i felt it would be too obvious to put on there because, and so this list is almost an homage to Goodfellas. A homage? A homage. Um, because probably either of the, either a Brian De Palma movie or Goodfellas would probably have taken the number one spot on my list. So I just, I, I didn't include them. But now on to what I did include. But my number five is Strange Days. Hey, yeah. You know that movie? Catherine Bigelow. Yep, Catherine Bigelow. Um, director of Near Dark. She also made another <laughs> movie that may have won an awards, but she was director of Near Dark with Bill Paxton. That's true. Um, the intro of this movie is... It's it's a point of view where you're one of the robbers, or one of the, the guys in a robbery. And so it starts off where you know you are being driven to a robbery by... You know, this group of guys that you're going to rob this little, I don't know, Asian restaurant with or whatever. Um, And so the whole thing, you know, no edits or anything is from the point of view of you going in, you know, going through the motions of, I guess, a robbery. 
Um, they start holding up the place. The cops come. Two of them, including, you know, us, um, run up the stairs and onto the roof. And they, tr- you know, trying to escape the cops. And this is all in one take. So everything's going on around you. You're totally in the moment. You're, you know, looking around the city when you're on the rooftop. And it's just like there's explosions and, you know, gunfire and everything. So you start, one guy jumps over the, or jumps across um, onto the next building, like over the little alley gap. And, you know, you're the next guy. And so you, you kind of walk by, you get a running start, you jump. You slip and you catch yourself on the edge of the building. The other guy grabs your arms and is coming to pull you up. He gets shot, releases your arms, and you fall to your death. And that is the long take intro to Strange Days. So it's a lot like Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly like Modern Warfare 2, one of the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But don't worry about it. Modern Warfare 2 may have came out later. That's true. But I know Strange Days stole from it. That's, yeah, that's true. But Back it was to the future. Maybe. It was really, I mean, it's it's, and it's the beginning of the movie, and you're like, after that, you're like, whoa, did I just point of view fall to my death in this movie? This is strange. This is a strange day. Uh-huh. Uh So that's my number five. Ryan, what you got? You already mentioned my number five. It's good, fellas. Yeah. You know. It is. It's. I mean, it's, it's too good. good. It's just. It's fun. The intro. Everyone's happy. Good times. That's what I'm going to say. Well, what I like most about it is the idea that you're being introduced into what the perks of the mob are through Karen's eyes. Well, I mean, like, if you see them, don't you think that they look at themselves in the mirror and say, I'm awesome? I'm awesome! They probably do say that. I mean, I, I would imagine that at least in the stainless steel appliances they would. That's right. Yes. But yeah. uh, You got help from The Rock in this one. (laughs) That's an incredible scene. We went from the people's champion to can't see me? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Sorry. That's good. So that was your number five. How about your number four? Number four um, is Kill Bill. I like that scene. It, you know, borrows a lot. Uh, I like it because of the... What are they, the five, six, seven, eights? Yep, five, six, seven, eights. The, yeah. Before it was on every car commercial ever, whatever it was. <laughs> Seriously. Um, in this, and it was, I don't know. It was fun. Was it like a Mazda commercial or something? Yeah, I think it was a Mazda commercial. Well, one of those things about, and, and Maddie C. had mentioned it, about the Quentin Tarantino Pulp Fiction scene. What's great about Tarantino movies is there's a lot of stuff you can pick out that you really like because his homages are all really well done. Well, what and he I like, knows, you know, he knows what he's referencing and does it really well. What I like about this long scene is that you, I don't know, some long scenes are you're following a guy around a little bit, you know, as he's walking through the club or yeah, you know, meeting people. This is like almost like a. Like a bird, like like a fly flying through, like right. it goes from one conversation, and you see them going yeah. off into another thing, and then it picks up on another really person walking, cr- and like then one goes work. into it. Yeah, Probably. it's it's not just a following and then an introduction. Right, it's introduction in their own kind of yeah. uh, 
it's not introduction by people shaking the hands of the main character. It's right. seeing them in their kind of in their element. Yeah, just so. just a fly on the wall of that room. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good way to describe that scene. Actually, I enjoyed it. Um, my that number, was my number four. There you go. My number What's four. What's your number four? <clears throat> is the protector. Yeah, I saw it. it was on a lot of lists, Dude. so I assume it's good. Dude, that if you have a chance <coughs> just to go to YouTube and put in the protector long take or the protector fight scene or whatever it is, or just Google best long takes and it's on any any of those lists. Um, it's basically a scene like if any of you have ever seen Game of Death, where Bruce Lee basically ascends a tower, having to fight someone on every level. And chasing, basically chasing someone up a tower. Imagine that, except without any any cuts. It's basically Tony Jaa um, going beast mode up a flight of like circular, like really wide circular stairs. So it's the whole building, and the the outside oh, is the stairwell. Like Kung Fu Hustle. I haven't seen that. Yeah, have I? But I saw the preview. But probably. <laughs> but probably. Um, so he's just fighting. Everybody that's coming at him, and he's going up the stairs. He's throwing people over the side. He's throwing people, you know, from the second story, the third story, over the balcony onto the ground, yeah. and it's all one take. Wow. Everything is one. People are getting thrown into shit. Like everything is breaking. You know how when you know kung fu people, mm-hmm. you know, get thrown into things, it just shatters. That's how it was doing. And so imagine that in one, just everything in one take. Um, Allegedly, it took a month to prep for, and obviously they couldn't. It would be a bitch to have to reset all that. Yeah. I'm not sure how many takes it took them. I'm assuming. I, I mean, I, I assume only one since they took a month to prep for it. Yeah. Um, but one thing I also allegedly heard was that at one point he goes up and he's on the third level. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's a, I mean, they're generous levels. So it's probably 12 feet per level. Um, and it's kind of this rotunda and he's on the third level and he's fighting a guy and he goes to like throw the guy off the side. And then you see him grab him. Like in, the camera is not really in position yeah. to see exactly what happened, but you see him grab him. And pull him back. And apparently what happened was the guy was just supposed to fall over the side, but Tony Jaw had to grab him because the mats weren't in place. Oh, wow. And so if he would have fallen, he probably would have died because he wouldn't have hit the mats. And so Tony Jaw probably saved a life in the middle of filming one of the most epic fight scenes of all time, which is even more awesome. Um, but the but not awesome enough to get past number four. That's true. So that's my number four. <laughs> My number three. Any, which life, is, any life saved in this one? Which is apparently supposed to be more awesome than, uh, <laughs> than Tony Jaa and what I just described. Um, number three is a movie called I Am Cuba. Uh, oh, I saw that on a lot of It came too. up on lists, so I caught up with it. And it's really uh, a pretty incredible movie just in general. It's on Netflix. Watch instantly. I recommend if anyone likes older movies, because I know our producer... Does not like old movies, just the look and the feel of them. But if anyone really wants to see good, you know, I don't know. It's it's a it's a 1964 Russian slash Cuban film that's basically made up of four vignettes um, depicting kind of the conditions leading up to uh, the 1959 Cuban Revolution, and you know that overthrew Batista. So it's like all this kind of 
propaganda going up to that because it was made in 64, obviously, when Castro was in power, not Batista. And so it's all this kind of mm. propaganda. It's kind of considered a propaganda film for, you know, like Cuba, um, post-war Cuba. But the history behind it is fascinating because after 61, after 1961, Castro's government turned to the USSR for film partnerships because they didn't have enough money to, you know, make their own or have their own industry. Uh, the USSR agreed to fund this movie because it was promoting socialism, and that's obviously what the USSR was into. Um, so the director was given a ton of freedom to basically do whatever he wanted, and he used a lot of innovative, like very innovative film techniques, which are you can easily see um, throughout the movie. Um, when it was released, though, neither the Cuban people or the Russian people liked it. And so it was basically like... all this money for nothing? And so it was basically panned and just lost. And so it, it never reached, you know, like North America or anything like that. Um, or at least, you know, it didn't reach the American audience. Because, mm -hmm. you know, that's basically all that I could read about from American writers. Um, but it was screened... Uh, in 1992, it was screened at Telluride by a Cuban guest co-producer of the festival as a retrospective to the director of this movie. And with the help of people like Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola, it was released in the States in 1995. And it's, a, it's in black and white, but it's, and it's subtitled, but it's a beautiful movie. Um, the Netflix one... It, I guess it was originally shot in Spanish, and then it was dubbed into Russian, and they've stripped the dubbing and subtitled it in English, so it's Spanish, it's the actual people speaking with English subtitles. But there are two shots in particular that are really incredible, that is why it made my list. The first is that um, the camera follows a group down an alleyway, and it's a it's like a... It's a protest procession with, you know, there's one person there basically carrying a dead body with a flag over it on, you know, like a board kind of protesting to, through the streets. And so the camera follows it from ground level, then goes up about four stories and it goes, it goes up four stories, still focused on the people, goes to the right and into a room where there are men rolling cigars, which is kind of, you know, just a... I guess it speaks to the time. Cuban and cigars? The, yeah, obviously. But it kind of, it's it's a little bit of a political statement within the scene. <coughs> but um, then it goes through the rows of guys rolling cigars and then out the window and over. Like it's filming down on the people walking through the streets. It's an incredible scene. Um, it was all done with wire work and actually physically people handing the camera up. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible how it was done. Um, the other scene is where a camera goes from up on the top of a building where they're basically having like a pool party. And then it goes down the side of the hotel and actually into the pool Ooh. in one take. And apparently what they used for that was it's like a, a submarine like periscope thing that like clears the water from the lens like at a really fast pace so that there are no bubbles and there are no like you can't tell that mm. you know there wa there's water on the lens it's incredible and it's it's incredible 
the movie is just beautifully shot. It's actually really well done without even that. So I would recommend that. It's on Netflix. Watched instantly. It's called I Am Cuba. That's my number three. What's your number three? Movie we just watched. Enjoyed it. Good choice. My top three are really close. Um, the motorcycle or car tax scene and then the yeah. final scene are both excellently done. Uh, we talked about it enough. It's really short. I enjoyed it a bunch. Yep. So my number two is a Gus Van Sant movie. Mm. But not that one. Elephant. Aha! That's the one I thought you were saying. Oh, there's like Last Days. Yeah, so sad. Last Days, yeah. Um, I really enjoy it's. They just kind of follow people around in the school, and it's a long shot, and uh, it's, it's suspenseful. That's exactly what it is. Because they're so simple, yeah, but so suspenseful. And then the one I always think of is the one with the the they like call him the athlete or whatever the it's the black guy with Benny dreads. from yeah. Milwaukee High School oh really Benny yeah. from Milwaukee High School you just yep. kind of walk in and you're like all right you know he's kind of you know he's like taking care of you he's like all right you, you guys go you know yep it's cool and he just rolls around the corner and they get shot yep it's like oh wow that's yep. pretty real and yeah, I did you know because they set him up as like this. You know, he's gonna be the one that's gonna that's gonna kill you. Yeah, guys. it's a long. He turns a couple corners and nothing's there. You know. Yep. But not like scary, not like horror movie. It's just, yeah, it's just following. Yeah, it's just observing. And I just During I really enjoyed shooting, that. Yeah, so. so, anyone who hasn't seen Elephant, that's a movie you need to see. Yeah, it's that's a great film. Really well done. Um, my number two is your number three. It's Children of Men. Uh, it specifically is the car chase scene. I thought the final scene or the second the final long shot is really well done but there's not as much of a feat as the car chase scene because if it's you watch wrote, yeah, the, if you watch the video go to facebook and watch the video that we posted on uh on the website but there's three reasons why i chose this as my number two because i think it's an incredible work of art for a lot of reasons first because the car or like the vehicle that they made, they built specifically for this scene, and it was just it wasn't it didn't even look like a car at all. Um, it was just an, a piece of engineering, you know, that was incredible, and you know that like the camera was on on the roof and would you know turn independently and see, and the seats would go back so that you know the camera could move and the actors would have to duck under the camera. Go watch the video; you'll actually see it. Um, Second is the simple fact that it looks so flawless and well done on screen. You can't even tell. Because a lot of what this movie gets knocked for is that it's long takes, or as far as long takes are concerned, is that they were digitally, you know, taken from multiple takes and just digitally kind of put together to make it look like a long take. And while that's kind of, you know, not in the spirit of what a long take truly is, it brings me to my last point, which is that this, you know, even though they were composite shots, and I think this was filmed over two days with five different shots, and obviously the last shot where they are actually getting into the car yeah. had to be done because they needed to look like a car. But the sheer conception of this scene and the execution of actually getting it done, um, just dreaming it up and doing it as far as Quran's concerned... Um, he pulled it off 
really well, and that deserves the number two spot. One thing that I really think is unusual about this scene, uh, just seeing it with long takes in general, is that long takes, long takes, long takes, even though they're long and usually tell you right up front what they're mm-hmm. about, you know, it's like fight scene or, right. you know, this is what we're, you know, <laughs> right, or like right. at even the end of this movie, it's like, all right, we're getting in this. Yeah. Fight scene, but this starts out with just a car ride, and you That's don't true. you don't know where you're going. That's true. And all of a sudden, you see from their view like a flaming cart, and when you see the flaming cart, you're like, "Oh, that looks bad," but you don't know what it means. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you see all these people attacking, and you're yeah. like, "Oh, it's like a mob." And then you see the motorcycle. It's one of the few long takes that I, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of them, but one of the few that starts innocently, so to say, right. and then ends up being right. And it's kind of like action pack. It's just and, and it, it it goes on a journey. It also way. adds to the complexity of this because how many actors were there in that scene? How many huh. people had to be on their spot and do the right thing? And the motorcycle wreck going over the hood and flipping the motorcycle like that's so Clive intricate. Owen, car doors. You're done. Yeah, Don't worry that, about it. That's right. That guy got owned twice by Clive Owen doors. <laughs> but that was so intricate. Like it's just such an inch and. You know, you don't really. I mean, you're just watching it, but when you take a take the time after the fact to think about how much probably went into that scene to get it right, like that, that's half the you know. That's half the battle. Half the battle Knowing of, is of half the long the takes. Yeah, that's half the uh, half the impressiveness. So we've made our way to my number one. All right, let's hear it. My number one is Boogie Nights. Very same. Uh, there are many long takes in this movie. Um, the intro is kind of a Goodfellas type intro yeah. where it's going through the club, introducing you to all the characters and taking you into 70s porn life. That's not the one I chose. It's not the one I chose. There's another one when they're in that uh, Alfred Molina's house where yeah. they're buying the drugs. That's another long take that's actually impressive because they're on Mark Wahlberg for a long time and he doesn't prove that he's a shitty actor in that. So that is impressive. A very rare feat. Not the one I chose. The one I chose... Is PTA's? I think PTA's greatest scene. No, that is also not the one I chose because that's one of the Ellen Burst. That's like the Ellen Burstyn scene. You're yeah. just yeah, you're just looking at it. Um, oh, you're looking at it. <laughs> but uh, it's you know, it's the scene where William H Macy goes through the house. It's it's New Year's Eve. William H Macy is walking through the house. You're just following him. He's kind of looking for his wife. He's going into bedrooms. He goes into one bedroom, and you don't, you're only focused on him because he walks in and you just hear what's going on. And he's, you know, or his wife is fucking another dude again, which he's just. You're embarrassing me. He's just, yeah, he's just fed up with that. And so you hear her, yeah, you hear her say, you know, get out of here or something. (laughs) So he just, you know, mild mannered, walks out, um, Goes out to his car, and one of the beauties of this scene is how the the sound is done when he's walking through the rooms. Like the music is loud when he's next to the you know the speakers, and then when he walks outside, the music's very muffled. He gets into his car, gets into his glove box, grabs his gun, walks back inside. The music gets loud again yeah. because he's walking back inside. Walks into that room. You hear two gunshots. He kills both of them. You assume he walks out. Into the the main room where everyone's kind of freaking out now because they just heard two gunshots. And then puts a gun in his mouth, kind of, ha, 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 boom, kills himself. And then you get the card 
Welcome to the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's basically the transition because it was 19... Because when he's walk Okay, so when he's walking back into the house, they're going, five, four, <laughs> three. And then you hear, boom, boom. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then they continue the countdown. He walks out, boom, kills himself, like, as the ball drops. Which is... It's just such a great... Even construction of the idea of that scene is so movie. well done. It is a great movie. It's about... Th- it's It's over three minutes, that whole scene. But it's like... Everyone else in the scene and the ambient noise and, you know, the way that it, it, that's the transition scene from the 70s to the 80s. Like, that marks a point in the movie. That's just fantastic. So, that's my number one. Good pick. Thank you. My number one is Hard Boiled. Haven't seen it. Uh, I watched the scene. Yeah? And it's awesome. Yeah? It's just, it follows them, it goes in and out, it's... POV sometimes, and it reminded me of what my real number one is, which I can't say because it's a commercial. <laughs> but there's like a com- I can't remember. It came out in like 2007 or something. It's for a a Samsung. I'm gonna figure it out and put it on our page. Honda. No, it's for a TV. Mm. But I'm gonna show you it. There's that Honda long take where they do like the dominoes and the oh yeah, like the muffler hits and blah oh, blah. Oh yeah, that's no, an impressive that's commercial. not that's not. It though. Okay. I'll show you this right when we get done, and I'll okay. put it on the face. And it follows. It's and it's a it's a rolling camp, but it's so cool. It's awesome. Everything's frozen in slow motion. It looks like something out of the Dark Knight. Yeah. It involves like clowns robbing a bank. So, anyways, it's awesome. I like it. it reminds me of this. I'm gonna show Kevin after this. I'm gonna put it on here. But the scene in Hard Boil was kick ass, and yeah. So I'm going to go to my honorable mentions. Do it. I haven't had a lot of explanation for my other things because I think they're self-explanatory. Yep. Uh, Boogie Nights honorable mention. But I was thinking more of the front scene. But yep. I, that scene is awesome. I, I just it totally see what I had. Another one that I was looking around on top uh, long takes was uh, this movie. It's only 56 seconds and it's really repetitive. But I, I don't even know how to say it. It's, uh, sat... Satan Tango I just Satan Tango yeah. I don't know how you say it I don't know that works but have you seen did uh-uh. you see that uh-uh. it's just it's 56 it's in black and white and it's just two people walking uh, into the wind with oh, all this yeah. stuff blowing back you know back. what yeah. that is almost an 8 hour movie really yeah so well, you want to watch glad that, that yeah I'm glad that 56 seconds really impressed me yeah because that just means there's you know 480 more minutes of yeah. it yeah you want to watch it that'd be sweet uh huh 8 hours almost a beer Every hour and you're wasted. And that was a one-minute scene of people walking down the street. That probably lasted for 18 more minutes. It was cool. It was gloomy. It was nice. I put it <laughs> yeah. on there. All right. That's my honorable That's it? Okay. I got uh, I got a list here. So here's my list. Um, first honorable mention is similar to yours where I saw the scene, but I couldn't dig up the movie. It's uh, Workmeister Harmonies. It's a Hungarian movie by Bellatar that is comprised of 39 total shots. Um, 39. Meaning that almost all of them are probably long takes. Uh, so I didn't include it on my list for the same reason as I didn't include Irreversible. Um, but some of the shots that I watched that I could get my hands on were so beautifully done that I need... It's in my queue now because it's not instant. It's, you know, DVD. 
The camera work is incredible. <laughs> the movie is beautiful, um, and it came out in 2000, so the black and white and the the graininess of it is intentional, and it just seems like it's it's one of those movies that is re- going to be really enjoyable to just look at. Um, so I got Irreversible on there, and I didn't put it on there because 13 total shots. Uh, old Boy is on there, but Old Boy, because it was one tracking shot, but, oh God, it's so sweet. Because at the end, so he's he's basically walking down this tight, cramped hallway, just killing all these guys. And he's basically exhausted at the beginning of this. And he's walking down and, you know, just beating off a bunch of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, and at one point, he gets a knife stabbed in his back. But that doesn't stop him. Backstabber. Um, it's ridiculous. And it's made infinitely better because it's that long tracking mm. shot. But at the very end... Like after he's basically killed all the guys, there's one at the first cut you see a close up a close up of his face and there's you know, blood starts running down his neck. And so you're like, Okay, that's right, this guy's actually hurt and he's got a knife in his back. Um But then you hear the elevator open kinda in the background, and then the next cut, you know, he he gets kind of a smirk on his face, and then the next cut, there's like eight guys in the elevator, like coming out with I don't know, bats and you know, weapons and shit like that. The very next take is him getting off the elevator at the ground floor, walking over a pile of dudes he's just pushed out of the elevator, just dead. It's so B.A. Um, next honorable mention is New York, New York, which is one of the many Scorsese-De Niro mm-hmm. combos. Uh, there's one scene when the war is over and there's this big celebration in the streets and we're close up on De Niro. Um... And then as we kind of pan out, we lose him in the big crowd, um, and we pan out fully, and as we pan out, we pass a, like a neon sign that has a little arrow on it, and the arrow, like, at the moment that the neon sign comes into the foreground and, like, the camera stops, you know, retreating, that's exactly when De Niro shows up again right at the tip of the arrow in the middle of the crowd, and it's actually really cool. Um, it's kind of like a, hey, here he is, mm-hmm. found him. Um, I also had elephant on mine. Um, then I had, and it pains me, but I had atonement on my list because there's a five minute scene of just true beauty in this you movie. You hate that movie. That is in an otherwise you hate that movie. piece of shit movie. Uh, the scene you is basically atonement. like the beaches of Dunkirk, um, and like the fallout of German soldiers and all they're taking refuge there and stuff. And it just watches James McAvoy walk out. This is the first time he's been there. And just walk around and, and take this all in. It really puts you in the moment. And in, there are very few words. It's almost like five minutes of almost all just, you know, there's obviously a, a score behind it. But almost all no talking. Um, letting you just experience the moment. And it wouldn't, this is kind of the epitome of long takes. Because it wouldn't be nearly as powerful with any cuts in it. Um and so it made time seem to kind of pass slower, which was really effective in that scene. Last but not least, but very least, um, knowing. I saw that on the list. I didn't know. This movie ultimately sucked big balls. Adam and I <laughs> watched it. We actually got it on demand. We paid five bucks for this piece Adam of shit. Adam loved it. Adam, he typed uh, in the code with his penis. Adam hated the ending. But the scene was crazy. It, it basically starts with a plane crash. So you see this plane kind of coming, there's a traffic jam and something or other, and then this plane 
comes and it goes across the whole screen and you follow it and it crashes. And then you go back to Nick Cage and he's like, holy shit. And so he runs, he runs over to the wreckage. It's all one shot. He runs to the wreckage of the plane crash and it's, I mean, it's, it's clearly aided by special effects because there are people just running out on fire that he's trying to help and all this, like this terrible, just atrocity, you know, of a plane crash. But it's really, it's really good because it's all in one take and it's impressive. What about the other Nick Cage movie that showed up a bunch? Brian De Palma. Oh, yeah. Snake Eyes. 20 minute yeah. long take intro. Impressive. And really, a Gary Sinise sighting. Yeah. Really impressive, but a Brian De Palma, so it's on my memorial. Uh, it's, it's memorialized. But that are, those are my honorable mentions. Shout outs. Um, let's see. I got a shout out to uh, the Mighty Ducks Hoops team. Great comeback. Last night had a... Uh, how, how much were we down earlier? 20 to 2. We were down 20 to 2. And we won. And we came back. And it was a team we had played the week before. And, and they had beat like us. 16. And they're the number 3 ranked team in our league. That's right. And they are... They're snitties. Yeah, they're snitties. They're snitties. Small titties. Small titties. But uh, we came back to beat them. Um, we should have beat them by more, but the refs were calling some bullshit stuff like out of bounds and... Uh, blocking and garbage like that but we beat him by three and one guy uh in the last last shot we uh we made the free throws to go up go up three and then they inbounded the ball and a guy took a half court shot trying to draw contact uh, with six seconds left yeah it was pretty hilarious it was about 10 feet short and 15 feet to the left it was awesome yeah so uh he didn't get the contact and uh we won the game so that's my shout out. What about you? My shout out is to a movie I just thought that I want to see again. I may have talked about it here some. Uh, Simple Plan with Sam Raimi's movie. Uh, I saw it once when I was younger and I really want to see it again. It's with uh, Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton and Bridget Fonda. It's where the. Can't be bad. And it's the one where the uh, plane crashes and there's like a million dollars in it and they like find it and they don't know what to do with it. And oh, there's yeah. a lot of backstabbing and it's Sam Raimi mm. before Spider Man. Mm-hmm. It was really good when I saw it. Um. Yeah. So there you go, people. Boom. So uh, let us know if you had any uh, any additions or subtractions to our top fives. Um, go to the Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash Critical Drinking. Uh, we will be with you possibly next week um, to do a little epi up, um, but we'll see. So uh, I guess that's our top five long takes. And that's our episode. So we'll see you guys. Bye, people. See you guys next time. You gotta stop it. When the world.